Live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, CAB Incorporated presents Celebrating Powerhouse Women. Now, here's your host, Amanda Pierch. And hello again, everybody. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Celebrating Powerhouse Women, the series that salutes and recognizes women that are making an an impact in our community. Today is a very special show as I am joined by the Atlanta television legend herself, Monica Kaufman Pierceman. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Amanda. It's so good to see you again. Thank you, you as well. I'm so delighted to have you sitting in front of me in studio today for this interview celebrating powerhouse women like yourself and i need to say immediately thank you so much for the gorgeous roses my birthday is this month everybody it's october the 20th and amanda surprised me with gorgeous roses that are actually called monica roses monica roses (laughs) and we learned that today i'm glad that you like them and you should take the whole month to celebrate i always do yes (laughs) well today is october 2nd so we're technically kicking off your birthday month and we're going to do so by celebrating you as a powerhouse I'm surprised that you haven't been labeled a powerhouse before, or that term hasn't been used to describe you in the past. It, um, well, I never thought about it, to be honest. You're a powerhouse, (laughs) or trailblazer, shall I say. Well, uh, yeah, trailblazer maybe, powerhouse maybe, but when I look back, I'm just Hattie's daughter trying to do the best she can do to make the world a better place for everyone. And we'll talk about Hattie here in just a moment, Miss Hattie. I do want to just give a brief introduction for the listeners who might be unfamiliar with who you are. Well, there are a lot of people who have moved into the area since I retired who would not have any idea of who I was because, um, as I always say, I want to live long enough that no one will remember what I did. Well, I remember it all as I watched you my entire life growing up. And then when you walked through the studio door, what was it, a couple months ago, um, for the Let's Start the Conversation, I had a little fangirl moment, and you were so kind to indulge uh, taking a selfie with me. And our producer slash studio owner was laughing at me. He's like, Amanda, really? I'm like, yes, you have no idea. And my other news... um, fan favorite would be Ron Gant. Oh, yes. And, and Mike always teases me about that as well. So he's good. It From is the true. baseball field to television, yeah. and he's doing a great job. Well, it's a childhood dream come true to be here with you in person, so thank, thank you, you again. Uh, Monica Kaufman Pearson, she is Monica Pearson now as she is married, but um, as I read, Monica Kaufman is what you would describe as your brand, so we don't ever want to let that go, so that's why I keep using your entire name um, through the conversation. She is a multiple Emmy Award winner, and she is the first woman and first minority anchor um, to anchor the daily evening news here in Atlanta. She was inducted to the National Association of Black Journalists Hall of Fame in 2016, also Georgia Trends Most Influential Hall of Fame, and so much more. You're an educator, a mentor, you're a student, you're a friend, you're a mother, you're a daughter, a wife, and an Atlanta legend. Uh. (laughs) So many things to so many people. Um, Through nurturing our community and um, I know that the importance of remaining visible and involved, um, I'd like to ask you kind of how you've been navigating your time and um, your efforts since retirement. Well, when I retired in 2012, I really decided I wanted to do something that I always had said I was going to be. Originally, I was going to be a teacher. So I said, hmm, if I'm going to teach, I need to have a master's degree to teach on the college level because that's where I wanted to work. 
So I went back to the University of Georgia at the age of 65. Bulldog, bulldog. I am a bulldog. (laughs) (laughs) And literally, I was a student. And it was so funny because you'd walk in the room and people would go, are you the teacher? And I go, no, I'm a student. And it's like, a student? I did not do broadcasting as you would normally think I would. What I did was media history, and that was so much fun. So once I got my degree, and I graduated, by the way, magna cum laude. Congratulations. (laughs) Which is, it proves that you can teach old dogs new tricks. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. So I I taught for a year and a half at uh, Atlanta Metropolitan State College, and I taught beginning um, mass media. And it was really fun to do, but it was very different. What I learned immediately was that I did not like having to do all that paperwork. And I also learned that my patience is not good with people who don't do 100%. Um, when I had students who would plagiarize and mm-hmm. think that I wouldn't be able to find it, and then I would. People who were late for class, people who didn't get their assignments in on time, people who hadn't read the material and tried to BS their way through it. Mm. I said, I'm not meant to be a teacher because you really do need to be patient. So um, God then intervened, and I actually was diagnosed with liver cancer. And so I had to stop teaching and take a year and a half to get myself healthy again. Mm -hmm. But, you know, since then, what have I been doing? I've been doing a show for Georgia Public Broadcasting, A Seat at the Table, which is one of my favorite shows, and I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. For over 40 years, I had to keep my opinions to myself. And on A Seat at the Table... I can say whatever is on my mind as long as it's based in fact. And, and I try not to be emotional. I'm always factual. But I no longer bite my tongue. Mm. Um, on October 20th, I'll be 73. So I am at that place in my life where I have more time <laughs> behind me than I have in front of me. So I'm not going to waste that time. Mm. So no longer biting my tongue but telling the truth. So that's what I love about a seat at the table. And what I really like about it is that it's helping have a conversation with people about why we need to listen to each other and understand even if we don't agree. Mm. And that's what I think a seat at the table does. But I'll also tell you, Amanda, you know what the most fun has been? What? I get to do commercials. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Tell me about the most recent um, well, commercial I, that you've been I work on. for Montlick. And, you know, I had a couple people actually. That's where I saw it. Yeah. I knew it. Montlick. Montlick and Associates, yes. And I had a lot of people criticize me for, they say, going with a personal injury injury attorney. Because they say, oh, they're, they're ambulance chasers. And I went, not them. Mm. These people literally do so much in the community for young people in, mm. in terms of driving, for what they do, for a particularly veterans. And so it's like, no, no, no. I only advertise companies that I really believe in and that I know because my brand is at stake. Right. Who I am is at stake. And it's the same way, you know, when I look at what I've done for um, – John Loud. And what people don't understand with him, I was a client before I became his endorser. Hmm. So it was easy to say, yeah, 
I'll, I'll endorse you. Mm-hmm. Because I'd been paying him money for, what, five years before mm-hmm. I became an endorser. So I'm very careful about who I endorse because, again, my reputation is the most important thing right. that I have. And when you tarnish your reputation, it's very hard to clean to it come up. Back, yeah. Yeah. So I'm having fun doing that. I do speeches. My husband built me a studio upstairs in our house so I can do all my voiceover work from up there. Mm-hmm. And it's been really fun. I bet. <laughs> it's a kind new me. It's a new me. Coming into your own new creative mm-hmm. ways and discovering new and exciting things that you can do um, within yourself and then within the community as I'm well. I'm taking Pilates. Um, I have this wonderful young woman who's also a chiropractor. Dr. Vernette Kunz, and I've been going to her now for two years, and the difference in how I think and move, much more peaceful than I was before. So I am just liking this new me. Good for you. <laughs> I'm not on a treadmill anymore. That I, I heard that reference, the treadmill of, of the newsroom, and then I also, as I told you, I was listening to some of your old interviews earlier um, when you were kind of passing the torch to Jovita oh, Moore, yes. and you said to her, because I know you did the 4, 5, 6, and 11 o'clock news, <laughs> and you told her, my friend, I will send you an energy drink, because you're going to need that to carry the torch. And now, look at how much she's doing, mm-hmm. because they've even added shows at 10 o'clock that are online. Um, the business has changed so much and uh, she has done a great job you know it was time for me to go had I stayed when was she going to get the opportunity to shine and I think that's one thing powerhouse women Mm -hmm. have to know when to go because sometimes you stay too long and you stifle the development of someone else but it means you've helped that person get to the place Mm -hmm. where they don't replace you but they take over the spot and it is theirs their own yes and And to me that's important I think you did that very well. You, oh, uh, she's doing a great you paved job. You the way, yes, absolutely. But I mentor a lot of women um, in the business, and I particularly like working with the young ones who are just coming out of school and getting that first job because they are like sponges. They just soak up all the information, and they listen. And the, the main thing for me to have longevity in a market, and I think Javita does it well, as do some of the other women at the other stations, is that they're involved in the city and the county and their community they volunteer they do speeches Mm -hmm. they judge they're not just a face on television Mm -hmm. they are really a part of the community because in the end people don't go by what they just see on the air they want to know who are you and do you really care Mm -hmm. about the community you live in so for that reason you know I tell my kids when they start out of school soon as you get your job at least have one charity you can work for so that you become an invested part person in the community and also it's a humbling experience to understand the ins and outs and Mm -hmm. it's a great reward being an impact but there's something else to it that women don't often often think about and that is when an employer has to decide between two people for a position and they have the very same credentials But the one thing that may make one stand above the other is the one who's done something in the community to bring some shine to the business. Because businesses say, we don't just live here and make our money here. We invest in our community. And when you do that, you get dividends that are unbelievable. So 
if a company knows that you have been working at Grady Memorial Hospital or you were involved with the Hispanic Association or you were doing something with United Way, then when it comes down between you and someone else, it's going to be more in your favor. And that's what you can say to that person. Yes, you had the same credentials, but this person went out in the community and did something that also helped us Mm -hmm. to look good in the community. Absolutely. In in the job hunt and through the years um, of my youth, I remember maybe my first job was early 2000s. Um, That was actually on the application or through the interview process. They asked you how you gave back, you know, what you were a participant in. And at the time, that was kind of foreign to me. That's when my eyes were opened really wide. And I said, wow, this is when you need to become an active member. Mm-hmm. No longer can just kind of, oh, I did Boy Scouts or I did Habitat for Humanity. You really have to dig your, your feet and your heels in and dedicate yourself to yeah. something. And you've done that and, it, and it's paid off. But so many people say, oh, I'm too busy working. I'm too busy working. Well, part of work development is giving back and personal growth it really is because sometimes you end up working on committees with people who are very different from you and you learn from them right and you also learn diplomacy (laughs) yes so uh and you might learn about new jobs or new areas Mm -hmm that you could go into and that you never thought about. Right. So to me, community service pays back in so many ways. So many ways. Well, I think that you've demonstrated um, not only through your professional career, but also in life and as a mentor, that you have a pioneering spirit. (laughs) So my question, Monica, is when did you kind of dig into that pioneering spirit? And we're kind of hopping in our DeLorean, and we're going to take it back to uh, maybe the 20-year-old Monica, when I think you were still in Kentucky at that time, Well, we can take it back even further than that. Let's take it way back. We're going to take it all the way back. And tell me about that, when you caught that spirit to kind of drive and go. that spirit. I caught that spirit as a seven-year-old. Wow. And the reason I say that, um, my mother, schools were just starting to be integrated. and Maybe it's, it was in 1955 when I went to my first integrated school, so I, I was older than seven. But in 1955, when I went to my first integrated school, St. William's, a Catholic school in Louisville, and I was the only at that time black student in the school. And my mother said to me, people assume because of your color and because you are a girl that you are not smart and that you don't need to be here. And she said, your job is to make a lie out of them. (laughs) Prove them wrong. And so I can remember the, the nasty comments that my mother always said, don't respond to that negativity. And that's what really made me angry with the presidential debates because Mm. they were both being nasty to each other, using words like you're a clown and shut up. Mm -hmm. And it it was one of the horrible moments in my life. But anyway, let me go back. But anyway, my mother always said, you know, take a deep breath and don't respond because people are trying to get you off your game. Mm -hmm. And when they can get you off your game, then they can say, see, I told you that's the way they are and they don't need to be here. So I learned very early to watch myself. I can remember when I was, uh, because I'm Catholic, we 
confirmation at 13. I was confirmed. Yeah, a confirmation at 13. And my mother got me this dress, which was so itchy that it was unbelievable between the veil and the crinolines. And it was like, ouch. And my mother, before we went into church, she says, Monty, that's my family nickname, Monty, stop scratching. White people think we're dirty anyway. And if you're scratching, you're just going to prove it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> But that was my mother. She was very blunt. And so what did that teach me? That taught me how, in many instances, to ignore the pain Hmm. and to put on that face that says, everything's okay. I'm going to be all right once I get out of here and can take this dress off. I can itch all I want. right now, I need to remember who I am and who I am representing. Mm -hmm. So... I learned at a very early age. And at the time, it was age. your family? It was my you family, and it was my old parish, St. Peter Claver, which was an all-black parish. And, you know, then we had moved to St. William's, which by then, that time, was a little more integrated. And so it, it's that's where I learned. And it's so interesting because my mother is the first person in my family to graduate from high school. Mm-hmm. She was, and that's on both sides, she was sent to school in New Orleans from Louisville where she had to work her way through an all-girls Catholic high school St. Mary's Academy so she would go to school in the daytime clean the nuns quarters in the kitchens at night still have to do her homework and be in the band so she taught me about resilience and Mm -hmm. she taught me about stick-to-itiveness and she taught me about always having goals and she taught me the, my mother's favorite saying that I say all the time, and my daughter gets sick of hearing it, it's what you do with what you have that makes you what you are. It's what you do with what you have that makes you what you are. And that basically means God created all of us with innate abilities. It's just we have to use tap them and tap into them and develop them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my mom just always said it doesn't matter what color you are it doesn't matter that you're female what matters is what you have in between your ears you know if you develop your intelligence and you're smart and you go to school people may not like you for your color people may not like you for your gender but if you've got something they need they're going to learn to work with you and and that's true she said you know the real thing in your life is to be true to yourself and, she, and her other favorite quote was from uh, Mrs. Roosevelt, and that was, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Mm-hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt said that, and my mother used to say it to me. If I'd say someone said, oh, you know, your mother's divorced? And mama would say, and? <laughs> right. I'm taking care of my family. Sometimes things don't work out. Mm-hmm. But she would say, they're trying to make us feel bad. She said, but that's their problem, not yours. Mm. So that was her other favorite saying, you know, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. If you take it in, then it's going to hurt you. So you have to learn who to listen to. I always say there's constructive and destructive criticism. Mm. And I try when I'm talking with young people to do constructive criticism. Now, I'll give you an example. I had viewers who would call me and say, your hair looks like hell. You know, go get something done to your hair. Why do you keep changing your hair? That's destructive criticism. What if I'd really taken that in? I could have never done my job. 
constructive criticism was like the lady who called me one day and said, you know, Monica, I see you're having some issues with your hair. Here's my beautician's name, and the bill has already been paid. Go try her out. That was very sweet, but it was constructive. Rather than tearing down, it was building up. And I always say that to my teacher friends and to my friends who work with children, that it's so important that you do constructive criticism. If you can't tell a person or show a person how to do it better without injuring them, Mm. then keep your mouth closed. (laughs) Makes sense. Well, that brings me to a good point because you, um, like I mentioned before, you're a mentor and you're a teacher and you have been in a position that you have had to take those hits or that fire of people being unkind or unprofessional. Uh, You even made mention um, about charm school that someone encouraged Mm -hmm. you to go to charm school I did and if I hadn't I wouldn't have got a job in television which was a shame to hear when I I heard the interview that something that petty or that um, superficial was so important for them um, to consider you for the role but Amanda here's the good thing about that what if I had said no I'm not going who are you to tell me how I'm supposed to look I would have never gotten into the business because back then it was a very visual medium. Yes, Remember, me. Diane Sawyer was a weather girl uh-huh. in Louisville, Kentucky. You know, a, a former national beauty queen, mm-hmm. but she was doing weather. And, and she wasn't taken seriously until later. So looks were a part of mm-hmm. it. And it was so interesting, you know, back then you had to have hair down to here uh-huh. and chest out to here and not much up here in order- and shoulder pads. To, yeah, and shoulder pads <laughs> in order to be on TV. Mm-hmm. So you know, I could have looked at it as negative criticism, but it was constructive criticism because it allowed me to learn to do hair and makeup and have the poise I needed to be on television Hmm. so So, I I you know again constructive and destructive that was constructive it they don't they wouldn't have said that to a man but back then in 1973 well even before then I was still working at Brown Foreman Distillers so that would have been 1970 1971 Mm -hmm. that was good information Mm -hmm. to have and you took it you know, with a grain of salt, and, and you applied it and, and carried on. And that's what young people need to do. Don't get your hair up on your back because someone says something that you don't like. Look at it as independently and look at it, as you said, as an opportunity to grow. Now, some people, you know, you'll go, mm, no, that wasn't constructive criticism. That was just being petty and yeah. nasty. You have to know the difference. difference. But if someone really cares for you, they'll say that to you. Mm-hmm. Nicely. Yeah. You mentioned poise. And while you quasi-accredited your your charm school to poise, I think that's something that comes naturally. Watching you, seeing you. Actually, we're on Facebook Live. Maybe people can see us, too. (laughs) How you're sitting here so poised in the way that you carry yourself, just in the manner in which you walked in. Um, Just I'm asking personally, is that something that you have to consciously do daily? Or is it something that's a skill you're so refined that it comes naturally now? My mother and all-girl Catholic high school. You were taught posture you were taught the posture because remember when you're going to an all-girls catholic high school all women working together reminding you that if you excel in here you can excel anywhere there's not that competition of boys in the room so you know you you're not blinking your eyelashes and all that i love the fact that i went to an all-girls catholic high school because between that school and my mother 
I learned to be who I am and to be able to have physicians and to be able to tell you why in a way that you understand you may not agree but at least you hear me um, you know my mother always said you, you know you have to be careful in that when you're bawling somebody out you're not smiling because you know many women in the old days you can yes. catch more flies with honey than you can with vinegar mm -hmm. no you need people you need to be able to look people in the eye be straightforward and not back down mm -hmm. so that was ingrained in me from my mother to and it was reinforced at presentation academy mm -hmm. so by the time you know it, and it's funny when I took the charm course that was basically to learn to do hair and makeup and some people might say that was a mistake <laughs> because it changed my hair so much. But it, it, helped, it helped to put the rest of the package together. together. Uh -huh. And now there's a beautiful bow on it. Yes. Like a little present. And yes. I'm sure all of those things you've been able to impede upon your daughter as well. Now, wait a minute. My daughter is the exact opposite okay. of me. And, that's, and, and that surprises a lot of people. Claire is very private. Mm -hmm. She just turned 40 in September. She's very private. She is an athlete at heart. She played basketball and soccer when, from the time she was knee-high to a duck. She's an athlete. She's not into frilly things. Um, she, will, she loves to dress up for special events, but Claire's regular attire, blue jeans, uh, a sweatshirt, a polo, maybe every once in a while. Comfy and uh, practical. Very, quote, I don't want a job where I have to wear pantyhose. <laughs> oh, those are very uncomfortable. I, I feel you, Claire. So she is very different from me, and I encouraged that. You know, the people, she has a great voice. She writes well. Well, why didn't she go into the business? She didn't want to. I'm Her sure. dad's a judge. I was in news. And Claire really likes doing business. Mm -hmm. So, you know, her whole thing is, this is who I am, and she's so glad, you know, that, and I can't mention her last name because she's, she's very private, that she has her dad's name. Uh -huh. And very few people know who her mom is except for those who went to school with her. Mm -hmm. But, and, and I love it. I love it. They go, well, why isn't she married? I said, you have to ask her that. I want her to be happy. That's all that matters. And that's all that matters uh -huh. to me. Well, don't you want grandchildren? I have a dog, a grand dog. Uh -huh. Grand dogs. <laughs> and my husband has... Uh, three grandchildren but we never get to see them so we really don't have grandchildren we have them but we don't get to see them because mm -hmm. they live in florida Aww. so it's kind of like she dances know? to the beat of her own drum and i love it mm -hmm. i love it you equipped her with the tools and she's now very she's strong willed free. very strong -willed. now if i have a complaint about claire my complaint about claire is i'm a stickler for things like get your car serviced on time and and like today John got her car and took it in to get four new tires because she was on. <laughs> oh God, she was down she to was the wire. Down to the wire, and then we found out that you know she hadn't had her car serviced. She's two thousand miles over oh, no. the oil change. See, I'm I'm anal. With her, it's like oh, okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. But you know, as I, long as she's happy. I'm the girl that's checking the air pressure. See, you're like me. In the yeah. fluids before yes. I get on the road for yes. an extended yes. period of time. Yes. That's what I do. <laughs> but in Claire's case, she said, well, if I'm going long distance, I'll have a friend drive. Oh. She's very relaxed, and I love that about her. She's, I've never seen her in all the years except when she was a tiny tot lose her temper. She's a really good manager. Uh, she's very patient with people. Mm. Um, I'm very impatient. 
So that's the difference mm-hmm. there. But it's really interesting because we are polar opposites. Mm. But I'd give anything for her pipes. She's got the best voice. Well, I'm not trying to out you, but I did hear you sing a couple little uh. ditties uh, <laughs> when I was talking to you online earlier. Um, so what are the occasions? And I'm not going to put you on the spot now. But um, yes, you, you can. You have some mind. pipes. You have some pipes, too, oh, Monica. I love to so sing. Did and you? I didn't do it. And you know why I didn't do it? When you're the first person in your family to go to college, you cannot fritter away a career, a real job, to become a singer. You can't. Now, if I had been Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey, that's different. Right. But I was never going to be that good. I could hold my own for a bar. <laughs> You know, Were you be, in chorus I could or be, something? At I least? could be a lounge singer, <laughs> but in terms of of you know having a career and getting Grammys and stuff like that, no. And I sang um, in the choir for well, growing up in the Catholic school system, mm-hmm. as old as I am, y- when you went to mass, you sang. All we hymns. did yep. Gregorian chants back then. Mm-hmm. That's that's what we used to do. And then I was in the choir in high school, and I was in the choir in college and I'm in the choir I used to be in the choir at church I'm not right now because nobody's going to church we do it online Mm -hmm. but the reality is music is an outlet for me and my Mm -hmm. husband bought me a piano uh, three years ago and I am learning to play the piano finally and I've always wanted to do that Uh and plus I think it's good for the brain development because my father my father had um, Alzheimer's and so I am very aware that it could happen to me so i'm doing everything i possibly can to do to your that's the word mitigate mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i'm sure it sounds lovely you're play, <laughs> you playing the ivories oh but i'm playing you know most fifth graders can play better than i do but it's not for them it's for me mm-hmm. and like you said it's it's something that it's you want to do personal growth and development and yeah. why not take on something new well john and i uh, say we're going to have a uh, an old folks band because i got him a bass guitar and so he's learning to play bass. So we're going to have a, a, a family band. Well. We're going to yes. have a family band. <laughs> Let me know when, where you guys will be featured. I'll come. Um, well, speaking of voice, um, you you would be considered by many as the most trusted voice in Atlanta news history. Now, you have said multiple times on air, you know, when you were on the news, um, thank you for inviting me into your home. And what a wonderful and personable thing to say to your audience. But it's true. Not many people, I don't think many people sitting on the anchor side where you were at would necessarily consider it to be a personal relationship. But I think that you truly feel that you and you were you did. I feel like we had a relationship before I met you. Um, But you were that friendly household name. Kaufman so being so um, so invited being invited into people's home and being so personable and things like that uh, would you say that you are able to make many friends outside of um, what you did for a living because you know it's kind of hard to, to wear that hat you're the you're in the public eye all the time you're in people's homes were you able to develop friendships and personal oh, yes. things on your own outside of what you had to do for your role in your career. Well, interestingly enough, you if you ask the people at WSB TV, I was friendly with people there, but I wasn't friends with people there. Meaning, my friends, except during the time period when I was single, I'd invite everybody over for Thanksgiving dinner because I knew what it was like. You know, even though I had to work, right? You have to uh, work the parade and and the tree lighting, but still. 
I thought it was important to have that family feel, but did I go out drinking with the folks at Channel 2 or eating lunch all the time with the folks at Channel 2? No. I was friendly to everyone in the newsroom and in the building from the clinging staff on up. But I kept what I did at work and the relationships I have at work separate from the relationships I had outside. I have friends in Louisville, Kentucky, like my friend Janice Winburn Rucker. We literally have been friends since our mothers were friends. My, her mother and my mother grew up together. Um, her, she was pregnant about the same time Mama was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have been friends all our lives. And then I have friends that I've made here, like Mac Wilburn, who um, is a businessman, and he's a good friend of over 45 years, and then my friend Denise Bland. These are friendships I made socially through organizations, and they're just regular friends, but the two don't meet. Intersect. I really keep things separate for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because when I, when I was working, you're working. When I'm over here, I want to be able to say and do things that I don't have to govern my tongue. Whereas or be it on all yeah, the time. Uh, and, and I'm not one to be on all the time. I can't be two different people, you know, oh, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm not good at that. And I, I can remember a couple of times in a grocery store, someone would come up to me and say, you look like Monica Kaufman. And I go, yeah, I am. No, you're not. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'd say, do you want me to show you my driver's license? Wait a minute. How many people are claiming that they are Monica Kaufman out but there is what I want to know. Okay, now let me tell you what happened. Now, it's interesting you would say that. Um, I went to an event at the University of Georgia many, 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 many years ago before I became a student. And we checked into a hotel because we were going to be there for an event. And the guy says, well, you've already checked in. And I said, no, I haven't. Yeah, you checked in and checked out. I said, no, I haven't. Someone had used my name to book a room and to leave and had not paid the bill. We had to actually get the police involved and get a handwriting expert to show that that, that Wasn't signature, signature was not mine and that the name spelling was even wrong. Wow. And so, well, and he said, well, she looked just like you. Rude. And I'm like, uh... I don't think so. <laughs> but, I mean, that can happen. Yeah. That can happen. So do you think she was an imposter, that she had just a wildly similar name and the hotel made an error? I think she was an imposter, and because Catfish. she looked close enough, it was like they took mm -hmm. it, and then they and ended so, up oh, losing yeah, money. Yeah. But the thing was, I had to prove it. It, it was you. Yeah. Oh, man. But think about what that could have done to me professionally. Yeah. Think about that. So, you know, that is... A little bit creepy. Yeah, it was It was more than a little mm -hmm. bit creepy. It was scary. It was really scary. Well, there's only one Monica Kaufman Pearson, Oh, folks. thank you. Only but one. if you go on to um, Instagram, there are a million Monica Pearsons. You go on to um, Facebook, million Monica Pearsons. Isn't that crazy it how is, people do that? But it's, it's, it's just it's, there. Yeah. And I really had an, uh, an instance recently where I had to prove to Instagram that you were you that I was me. I had to take a picture with my license to send to them wow. in order to get my page back because someone else had stolen the pictures mm -hmm. from my Instagram. And, you know, I only got on social media yet for competitive reasons because mm -hmm. I was still working. But there are days I'm like, do I really want to be on all these? Yeah. Because people do that. 
people will steal your identity. And it's not safe once you put it out there. Someone can just copy the picture yeah. and they say, whoop. And that's what they do. I want to absorb some of her followers or listeners. And or they were sending out invitations to people, you know, friend me, friend me. And then I had a friend call me and said, I'm did already you your friend. Your did you yeah. did you open another one? Mm -hmm. I went, no. And when I went to it, they had pulled all of my pictures mm. and put them up. And, and and then they started calling people. That's the reason why I don't use DM. Mm -mm. I just don't do it. I just, mm -mm. no, no. But anyway, you got to protect yourself. Of course. I wanted to touch on really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned your mom, uh, Hattie, several times. And one of the Hattieisms that I wrote down that spoke very loudly to me, and you say a lot of the times, is reach back, pull up and push forward that's so important I want you to say yes it. my mom told me from the beginning no matter what you do and who you become it's important for you to reach back pull up and push forward and the reason is she said is that every gift we are given is that a gift and a gift you do what you give it away so you share it with others. And you share with others. So she always said, no matter Reach what back. you do or what you have. And push and forward. And push forward. And, and, and you do that. You do it in several ways, like my scholarship in Louisville. But when I worked in the Atlanta public school systems for 10 years, every week Where reading to library, first graders. a library named after you. Yeah, there is a little <laughs> library. But I love doing that. And then I would always give the kids books for Christmas and books before the summer vacation because again I believe so strongly what my mother said that education Very is important. the way you can move up and out of poverty mm. and so you know she said to provide and it's them with true the tools. You, mm -hmm. it's true and so many people forget to reach back it's like they move to another area and they forget where they came from. It's like, or oh, that's who reached history. back for them. Yeah. So, you know, that reach back, pull up, you know, push forward. Before you elaborated on it, and I see exactly how you and I'm sure Hattie meant, uh, how it spoke to me was sometimes within yourself. You have to reach back to maybe the fundamentals or, you know, your grit, and you have to pull yourself up because sometimes we just are down a little mm -hmm. bit, and you have to continue to push forward. Mm -hmm. And so, that's what power women, powerhouse, powerhouse women do. Powerhouse women are, absolutely. Because yeah. it's interesting you would say that. I'd never thought of it that way. And so it really can now be be a double entendre. entendre. I like that. Wait, I was going to put you on the spot and ask you to say it in German. Oh, God, I can't remember. <laughs> I have forgotten so much of my German. When I, I took German, uh, German in high school and in college, and um, when I was 25, I went to Germany from Munich to Dusseldorf on the Romantic Road all by myself. I loved it. And my German was excellent Was then. it for work or for pleasure? It was for pleasure. Nice. And it was so much fun. And I remember on one border, the guy said my German was so good, he asked me if I was the child of the occupation. And, and I lost it because... Uh -huh. There was no one to speak it with. Mm -hmm. And you know, I can understand some, but I really don't speak it the way I used to. And I'm embarrassed that I lost it. It's what a complicated I, language. But I love the language. It's very guttural, but <laughs> yeah. I still, you know, I'm mm -hmm. sorry I lost it. My good friend, uh, Godo Frabel, some people may know him as the glass blower. He does mm -hmm. beautiful Frabel designs. Godo has tried for years to get me to, to pick up on my German again, and he's finally given up. <laughs> It's like a tongue twister trying to say some things. And I'm sure if I would 
would go back and stay for two or three months. Yeah, it would come, come right back, back to me. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, if there's any language that I would like to learn now, it would be Spanish. Spanish. And my daughter speaks Spanish. Nice. My niece, Lisa, who's visiting from New York right now, Lisa is fluent in Ooh. Spanish. And, and I'm saying she grew up in New York. I will tell you a, a small story. I took her to Peru when she graduated from college. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like our big trip. Celebration. Yeah. Oh, and it was. And I just love her. And so we, um, <laughs> we were on a train coming back from Machu Picchu. And uh, some women were discussing us which I didn't know, because remember, I don't speak Spanish. But she understood what they were saying. And all of a sudden, I saw Lisa's whole demeanor change. To this day, she has not told me what what they said. But when she flipped around and started talking to them in a very, I mean, Stern. stern way, and whatever she said, the women became red. They were embarrassed. From neck to head. To eyelashes, and uh, you know you could tell they were, they were in shock. And Lisa to this day has not told me what they said, <laughs> but they were shocked that one this African who they thought was an African American woman understood. understood and spoke, spoke in the language with the accent and everything. Yeah, that's what you get for yeah. assuming. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but you know again, and Lisa is here right now uh, visiting. And we went to a Pilates class together yesterday. Oh, nice. And she's getting Shout ready out to, to Lisa. And she's moving, <laughs> uh, actually, with her company that she's worked for. She's, she's uh, spent some time in Costa Rica Ooh. to keep her Spanish, her Spanish job. Yeah. But in New York, she says she uses her Spanish almost every day. I'm sure. Yeah. That would be a very valuable language yeah. here. Um, that's pretty much. So that's what I, that's, that is the piano lessons once I get to a place where I feel comfortable. That's the next thing I would really like to do. Um, it's I have a, Rosetta Stone in my car. If you does it work? It. Well, I'll tell you, I enjoy it. I can get through like the first CD or so, but in the car, I don't think that that's necessarily the most conducive place for right. me to learn that. Ideally, it is because you're driving and you think, "Hey, I have this time," but no, you're paying attention to everything else. Um, I can practicar mucho, okay. Monica. <laughs> but I would say for some, it probably works well. Now I'm turning more towards podcasts. I just wonder. full submersion, listening yeah. to and what about television? And I'm, I'm a Netflix um, fire stick girl, so okay. I don't have cable at my house. Okay. But just exposure. And it's totally ironic and a, a dang shame. You're Monica. not married, are you? No. Get a sp- Hispanic boyfriend. <laughs> my, my mother is from Argentina. But oh. my father is American. So growing up in my household, we didn't speak Spanish. I actually visited Argentina several times when I was in high school. And um, again, I can understand a lot of what my mother says, but... I've handicapped myself. So that, too, that's on my list of things to do before I reach the age of 40. Oh, my goodness. It, it's, it's nipping at my heels, Monica. So it's time to learn. It's time to learn. But I'm telling you, I always say to, to my, my single friends, get a Hispanic boyfriend. <laughs> and then you'll be forced to <laughs> get learn. Get a Latino boyfriend. Because his parents are going to make you learn. <laughs> Absolutely. I wanted to ask you really quickly um, about some people, aside from your mother, that have been a profound impact in your life. People that you would say kind of helped reach back and pull up and push forward um, to you. Because I know you mentor a lot of of folks, young folks, and a a variety of ages. And that's something that you're passionate about. So what invigorated that passion? I'm thinking it was somebody that impacted your life in a mentor fashion that inspired you to do those things. Amanda, really, people get tired of me saying it, but it really was my mom. I mean, 
because she laid the groundwork. You know, here was a woman making minimum wage, buying clothes from Goodwill, but then turning around and giving back to Goodwill. Here's a woman who volunteered in her neighborhood to check on elderly people in the neighborhood, even though she was working a full-time job mm -hmm. with a kid. Uh, here's a woman who took care of her mother, um, and then when her brother, who was injured during the war and had what was called a lobotomy, where he, oh. he was, yeah, it was really a sad. A lobotomy? A lobotomy, yeah. Like they, the... Yes, they actually did that oh, to him. I've only seen those after in horror World, movies. But it's true. After World War II, my Uncle Buster, I actually oh. wrote a piece on him. Um, and, and, you know, she would go back and forth to the Veterans Hospital to check on him and then when he would get out and he wouldn't stay on his medication she was having, I mean I, I saw what it was like to be a caring human being now when I got into the work world I did have some people who were very instrumental in my success the first one would be a woman who's now passed away named Mary Phyllis Reedley she was the women's editor of the Louisville Times newspaper but she felt that her reporters were the best. And so oftentimes stories we would do would end up before the next edition on the front page of the paper because she did community human interest stories mm -hmm. that were hard hitting and not the latest flower club, mm -hmm. okay? Right. She did impactful. news, impactful stories on women and the community. So Mary Phyllis Reedley was one. She was also one of those very direct, and knew how to work with men. And she wasn't the kind that would would bite her tongue. She was a hot mess. But Mary Phyllis was, was one of the best people I worked with. She ran that department with an iron hand, mm -hmm. but it was one of the best departments in the world. So Mary Phyllis Reedley would definitely be one. Another person was a man, uh, and his name is um, Bill Summers. Mm -hmm. Bill Summers was the first black radio owner in the state of Kentucky. He owned WLOU Radio. He gave me my first job in radio as a teenager. And what I used to do was the introductions to shows like, hey everybody, it's Charlie Brown Showtime. And then uh, for little David, who was the religious guy, mm -hmm. I would read prayers on his show and, and things like that. So Bill Summers gave me an opportunity as a teenager to, to practice a craft that years later I used. Mm -hmm. And still do today. And still do today. But the thing is that he didn't have to do that, but he did. And I look at uh, Mr. and Mrs. Frank Stanley, who owned the Louisville Defender newspaper, which was the black mm -hmm. newspaper in Louisville, Kentucky, where they allowed me from time to time to write articles. Right. So, you know, in addition to my mom, you had these people who were there for me, opening doors for me. And then I got to mention, you're going to laugh when I say this. Um, I used to be on a television show called Hey Love Hoedown, where I sang country music. You know, before Charlie Pride, there uh -huh. was me. <laughs> Hey loft hoedown. Hey loft hoedown. But again, and it was on WHAS, interestingly enough, where years later I uh -huh. would become a reporter and anchor. But again, that opportunity was given to me. And those are the people who helped me develop into what I am now. My mama did the base, and then they just, she built the basement, and then we Got just kept there. adding floors. Yep. <laughs> just kept developing. Yeah. 
So I guess what I would like to ask towards the end of the show as we wrap up is what advice would you give the young entrepreneur or the young professional or anybody that's trying to find their footing within a career or that has desires to achieve more and doesn't really know how to get there? What would your advice be to help them, you know, reach that that goal and stay the course and also have fun while they do it? Talk to people who are already doing what you want to do. That's the first thing. Um, I had a friend who owned a business, and he made his children go work elsewhere before they could come work, work for, for him, him because he said, you need to know what the competition's doing, and you can learn things from other people that you can then can bring back mm -hmm. to us. So I would say if there's something you're considering, talk to somebody who's already in it and do your research. Um, volunteer in an area that you think you'd like to try. Don't be afraid to take risks. Mm. Sometimes you have to take less money to make more money. When I came to Atlanta, I took a pay cut. If that's hard, that's hard to believe, but I did. But I made up for it years later. So look at where is this going to lead? lead. What are my, it's like when you interview for a company. They interview you, you need to interview them to find out where could you be in five years, mm -hmm. 10 years, if you want to stay that long. Okay. But what I really like is for people to get involved in entrepreneurship. Only, there's, this country's built on small businesses. Mm -hmm. So instead of, you know, work for somebody long enough to learn what you need to know, get mm -hmm. the education cool. that you need by going back to school maybe, and then take that idea that's been running around in the back of your head and say, you know, I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna try this for a while. Go to the Do Small it. Business Administration, go to the retired businessman, and find out what you need and be willing to listen. Because and when put it you, into motion. And put it into motion. But also, don't let people hold you back. I mean, look at Apple. <laughs> A bunch of college dropouts. Yeah. And now <laughs> everybody has an Apple and device. Every, and, you know, watches everything else. <laughs> but the, the point is, if you have a good idea, don't sit on it. Go run with it. Go for it. But mainly make sure you do your homework first. You know, just don't go out on a whim. Know, know your audience. Mm -hmm. Know your audience. Mm -hmm. Do the research. Do the work. Talk to people who are in similar instances. And don't be afraid to sacrifice. Because anything worth having, as it's Mama used to say, for. is worth working mm -hmm. for. And so I want to see more entrepreneurs. I think that there are a lot that are uh, breeding and that are looking to come to life here in the near future. Oh yeah, and and then again, when you get where you are, help someone else. I got a call the other day, and I'll make it brief. Uh, there was a young man who has has gotten to college but can't pay his room and board. And a friend of mine has been working with him for a long time. And so it's called Connections. So mm -hmm. she said, can you help me? And so I called um, Tommy Dorch of the Black College Alumni Association and said, this kid's really working hard. Well, make a long story short, Tommy called some of his friends, and now this kid's room and board is going to be paid for. But it's because everyone, you know, we always hear it takes a village. Mm -hmm. but it really does. It really does. Mm -hmm. But the village can't help if you don't ask. <laughs> so people need to put their pride aside. Speaking of village, I'll make this quick because I know you have to let, uh, leave, but village people remind, reminded me of the YMCA. YMCA. And I know that the YMCA is near and dear to your heart because you oh. had a great experience, but also this is one of the ways that you pay it forward. I, first of all, 
my my second job was at the YMCA. Mm -hmm. My first job was working for SNH Green Stamps and Top Value Green Stamps, uh-huh. counting the pages of the books and making sure women put all their stamps in there. Oh, Do my. you you don't know what that is? No. It just occurred it's to me. A, a you green don't pages know. of the books. Okay. Years ago when you would go to the grocery store, they would give you green stamps mm-hmm. if it was S and H. Then you had a book and you'd put the stamps in it or you had the yellow top value stamps. Mm-hmm. You fill up the books and then after you fill up those books, there was a redemption center where you could take those books and they had a catalog and you can pick and choose what you Which wanted you and it. you'd pay for it with the stamps. Okay. So like tickets when you go somewhere and do yeah. something and you get the tickets and you turn them in. Okay. But this was you had to fill up these books. Now Lord that's, that's been centuries ago. There are going to be people in your audience going, oh, I remember that. And then people like you going, huh, mm-hmm. they really did? But th- they did. Mm-hmm. So that was my first job because I had to count the stamps. And a lot of times people would not fill in all the pages. Oh. And can you imagine so telling you're auditing them? Yes. So mm-hmm. you, can you imagine telling a woman who's brought in 200 books to get an oven that you can't get it because half of your books aren't completely full? Talk about She's learning mad. how to be di- diplomatic. <laughs> but, you know, that is is so important to learn from every position you're in and to take those lessons. What I learned at Top Value, what I learned working with kids through the Tri Gray Y program, Mm -hmm. later on paid off for me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why I give money to United Way every year because of the programs that are aimed at kids. Yeah. It's, and then the elderly. My my two favorite things are the elderly and the young. Well, that's the full circle of life there that you're Now, you're you helping. folks in the middle. <laughs> you guys can fend you for yourself. You can fend for yourself. Uh-huh. But the very young and the very old. And then people with health conditions. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a breast cancer survivor. I'm a liver cancer survivor. So it's like you, you have to take what you have, share it with others, and hope they learn. Mm-hmm. I would agree. You heard it from Monica Kaufman Pearson, folks. (laughs) It has been such a pleasure spending time with you. Oh, I love being with you. You're so much fun. Thank you. Well, you know, this wonderful series would not be possible without the partners that help um, support the series. And I am just going to show them some love really quickly. Love them. Um, The presenting sponsor for this series, Monica, is CAB Incorporated. And they are actually a woman-owned company here in Buford. So since 1982, CAB Incorporated has been a distinguished leader in manufacturing and global sourcing. They serve a variety of industries, including infrastructure, hydraulics, automotive, and rail with their precision, machined, iron, and steel products. As a woman-owned company, CAB is proud to be the presenting sponsor of this Celebrating Powerhouse Women series. Okay, now I got to stop. CAB is a non-traditional business for a woman. Absolutely. What? Uh, how amazing you is that? You will have that? to meet Terry Jondal. She is an amazing woman, and she um, she operates this business with fortitude and and poise and a, a tremendous amount of knowledge that. Her scope is global. She works with global partners. I can't even do it justice other than what I read. I can recite this in my sleep, by the way. But she is a big supporter. She is tuning in live right now. So hi, Terry. Hey, Terry. Terry, I applaud you because (laughs) just think, going into this field, which is pretty much a man-only field, just think of the barriers 
that she kept hitting up against but learned to go around, around. over and under <laughs> and even in in foreign terrain yes she does a, a lot of business um overseas so no i applaud being her. a woman leader in a foreign country is a little bit different as well yeah yeah so thank you again monica so much for joining us today i could talk to you for hours i but could talk I know to you for hours you have many other obligations to um to go and spread your love and joy um i am going to end this podcast with uh please follow us on social media folks you know you can find us all over the place at gwinnett radio x if you miss the live broadcast our shows are available 24 7 online iHeartRadio, itunes spotify where do you listen to your podcasts monica uh actually on itunes itunes so mm. do i Go Apple. <laughs> um, you guys, until next time, I am Amanda Pierch, and this has been Celebrating Powerhouse Women on Business Radio X.